Welcome to the Dwelling Place Church audio podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in to this week's message. We pray God speaks to you today through this message and through his word. For more information about our church, be sure to visit us on the web at dwellingplacemovement.org. Now, it's time to listen to this week's message. I want to, right off the bat today, pray and uh, get right to it. Father, in the mighty name of Jesus, we thank you for the liberty, for the ability to gather in that name that's above every name, the name of Jesus. We ask, Holy Spirit, that you would communicate to hearts and to heads and to homes and to hands and to lives all that is provided in and through that name. May your kingdom come and your will be done. Holy Spirit, I yield to you. Reveal the King Jesus in our midst. Help us to focus in, to be loosed and free in this moment from the past and the future, and to be present so that we would encounter the ever-present God, our help, which comes from above. In Jesus' name, amen. If you've been around here much, you know that growing up, most of my time was spent in the sports world. I played soccer and baseball and basketball for years and then continued baseball until um, young adulthood, the mid-20s. And when it comes to sports, most sports, at least the sports I mentioned, you're dealing with team sports. So it's not just about your individual performance, it's also about having to relate to others for the goal of winning and moving ahead. And I say all that to say that one of the difficult things about sports and and team realities is when you have a person that's on the team, the coach has allowed them, they've made the team, they're on it for the year, but they're inconsistent. I don't know if you played sports, but you know every year you'd have that one person, specifically in baseball, or that uh, two people on the team, and when it came their time to the plate and to hit, I mean, you are praying, you are hoping. It's like flipping. It's not even like flipping a coin because they're not hitting 500. They're hitting like 120. And you're just hoping that this would be the one, that they would actually come through and get a hit. And what I learned in the reality of teams is that consistency spawns confidence and trust. It was hard to be confident and to trust the inconsistent batter. The person who had been told time and time again, if you see the ball out of the hand of the pitcher and it's already at eye level, it's going to be a ball, don't swing. And yet time and time again, they think they're going to catch up to that high fastball and hit it and they don't. And they strike out. I remember our last year, we had a group of guys that played summer ball together, all-stars. And uh, our place was called Beachmont. We were a very small community of, of baseball teams. And 18 years old, at the regional finals, we were going against the Cincinnati Storms. The difference between us and the Cincinnati Storms is that 
they had pulled the best 18-year-old players from the entire city of Cincinnati. Our team was not like that. We were one small neighborhood in the midst of a large city going up against them. But we had not lost. We were in the winner's bracket. They had made it to the finals with one loss. All we had to do is beat them once. And we would go on to the World Series that would be in New England. We had made the World Series when we were 16. And uh, it was in Springdale, Arkansas. And so we were one win away. And I remember it got crazy. They basically stacked the cards in their favor. Our coach got thrown out. Our, our shortstop, who was one of our best players, he played AAA for years later in life, got thrown out in the first game. But there came this point that they scored a bunch of runs in the first inning of the first game. And uh, a line drive had been hit to me. I played center field. And I was already so at this point because they had scored a bunch of runs in the first inning of the first game. I was already very agitated. The emotions were flowing. And I, I picked up that line drive, and a, a guy was going home, rounding third, and I threw that ball hard as I could from home. Well, I threw it so hard that I didn't follow through, and that ball sailed and hit the very top of the backstop. I mean, it, it barely stayed in the park. And uh, it wasn't a, a great thing. Well, they continued to score runs, and so our head coach went out to the mound and gathered us and said, look, you see what's going on. There was already bad calls. You know, it was already getting heated. And, uh, and I said, put me in. One of our base, best pitchers, our ace, was pitching. And things just wasn't going his way. I said, put me in the pitch. I'll stop this right now. And he looked at me and he said, how about you throw and hit the cutoff man from center field? And I'll never forget that. Because what he was saying in that moment is, if you got that worked up emotionally in the outfield for one throw, what would happen if I put you on the mound where you have to pitch after pitch, make a good decision? What he was saying is, why don't you be consistent in what you are positioned to do? And I think about that in life. I think about the value of consistency. See, when we talk about consistency, we're talking about a truth connected to the formation phase of God's divine design for discipleship for all His children. When you think about consistency, you learn that by forms, voids in our lives can be filled. I want to read Genesis 1, verse 1 and 2. The very first two scriptures in God's Word. It says, In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form, notice that, and void. There was a void because the earth was without form. And darkness was on the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. Notice that forms, voids can be filled. You have voids in your life. You feel unfulfilled. You feel that you're not accepted and loved by God, you feel empty, you feel that you have lost purpose, a sense of divine purpose, by forms, voids can be filled. You say, well, Pastor Chad, what type of forms are we talking about? Or what is a type of form? A type of form is spiritual disciplines. 
Spiritual disciplines are forms that can be used by God to fill the voids in our life. Reading God's Word, the Scriptures, is a type that I want to highlight today of form. In fact, the title of the message is Night and Day, the Word. Night and Day, the Word. When you think of the word consistency, you need to understand what the definition is. It is an agreement or accordance with facts, form, or characteristics previously shown or stated. Agreement or harmony between parts of something complex. That is what consistency is by definition. When it comes to consistency, consistency in an area is like living life with a personal assistant in that area of life. That's what consistency will do for you. When you have consistency, it's like living with the personal assistant in that area of life. Because remember, there are no habits without consistency. When I think about consistency, I also think about consistency as a qualifier for more. How many today, when you think about your life, when you think about God's will, when you think about areas of your life, you desire more? We need to remember that consistency is a qualifier for that more. In fact, Jesus taught this. He said in Luke 16, 11 and 12, He said, Therefore, if you have not been faithful in the unrighteous mammon, mammon was money, who will commit to your trust the true riches? And if you have not been faithful in what is another man's, who will give you what is your own? If you want what Jesus calls here the true riches, these are heavenly things. These are things that you and I can't go out and create or find or dig up. This is heavenly things. Things like hope. Things like faith. Things like the anointing and the power of God. Spiritual gifts. The true riches. Riches that cannot be found or sourced on earth. Jesus said that to get those true riches, to qualify for those true riches, consistency is a must. Here he speaks of the consistency in handling the unrighteous money of the culture and the world we live in. He says, how many of you want more? You want more opportunities and leadership. You want to be a steward over more in your life. You want that which is your own. He says, if you've not been faithful in what is another man's, who will give you what is your own? You see here the value of consistency. Think about this. How do you and I make known what we don't know. When it comes to God, when it comes to who God is, when it comes to the will of God, how can you and I make God known if we don't know Him? This is the value of being consistent night and day in the Word of God. In the Word of God, the vision here at Dwelling Place is manifesting Christ in many ways to many people. And the habit of consistency and consistently giving yourself to the reading and hearing of God's Word is how you can grow in knowing God so that you and I in our life can make God more known. That we can have Christ being manifested to more and more people in the area around us. See, we can grow in knowing God as we relate to Him through what He has said in His Word. It is always a red flag to those who want to hear God by the Spirit, 
but do not or have not ever prioritizing hearing what God has already said in His Word. Time and time again, such people are seduced by doctrines of demons and lying demon spirits and ideas and thoughts of the world. You and I can grow in knowing God when we consistently, day and night, devote ourselves to the reading of what God has already communicated and spoken in His Scriptures. Here's another thing that's powerful about the habit of consistently giving yourself to God's Word. is consistency in the Word can keep you as you are still gaining consistency in other areas of character. See, oftentimes, and we'll talk some at the end a little bit about this, people allow shame and they allow struggles in other areas of their life become a tool that the enemy can use to condemn them or to push them back from devoting themselves day and night to reading God's Word. They believe the lies that because I'm struggling in other areas of, of, of my life, if I go to the Scriptures, I'm just being a hypocrite. No, 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 listen to me. There are seasons you will face that you never knew you would face as you follow Jesus Christ. And if you don't have the consistency of being in the Scriptures, in the Word of God, you will not make it through that unexpected season. But I'm telling you that God's Word promises that if you will be consistent to give yourself to the reading of God's Word, God's Word and that consistency and habit will keep you in those times where you find yourself dazed and confused and facing seasons that you never expected or thought you would face. It also will keep you as you're in this process of being sanctified, of having areas of your life that's not established in the ways of Christ yet. Being consistent in the Word of God will stabilize you as you're working through and trusting, learning to trust God to bring His stability in that specific area of your life. In Genesis 1-5, it continues the text and it says, God called the light day and the darkness He called night. So the evening and morning were the first day. This is often overlooked. That in the timeline of God, the way God sees time and created time, the day does not start in the morning when the sun rises. It's evening and morning is the first day. The day in God's, God's timeline starts in the evening. In the evening. Why? Well, there's many reasons. One is because in the evening we rest. And God from the beginning always designed that our work and our purpose in Him would flow out of first resting. Resting in Him. It flows out of rest. It doesn't flow out of our sufficiency. It flows out of a rest. And the thing about rest is the Bible says it's God who gives us rest. Let me tell you, if you struggle with sleep and you're a child of God, you have a promise from God to hold fast to. That He will give His beloved, He will give His children sleep. And for some of you, you need to hold fast to that promise in this season of your life. See, listen to me, you've heard the saying, morning set the rest of your day. It's a true saying. But most don't realize your nights set your mornings. And then your morning sets the rest of your day. So the evening and the morning were the first day, God's Word says. This is why in Ephesians 4, 26 and 27, Paul says, 
Don't give place to the devil. So therefore, do not let the sun go down on your wrath. What's he saying? He's saying that the evening is the beginning of the day. So don't give no place to the devil by not dealing with any anger that's seeking to start the day. I want to challenge you not just in your mornings giving yourself to the reading of God's Scripture, but also in your evenings. Choose that the last thing that you put in your mind before you go to sleep is God's Word. Now, if you've devoted yourself for seasons before and years before as a follower of Jesus in reading Scripture, then you have more Scripture memorized. And so you're in an advantage because you can, even without opening Scripture, the last thing you think about is you can run through your mind a whole, a whole string of Scriptures that you've memorized. And that being the last thing. Now for some of you, if you're like my wife, she's got like a 15 second, 20 second clock. When she says she's done, it's 15 or 20 seconds and literally she's out. And here lately snoring more and more. We're going to deal with that though during the fast. But some of you are like me. When I say, okay, it's time to go to bed, then, then I have about an hour time clock for my mind to get to that point. And so in that, I want to encourage and challenge you. Let the last thing you put on your mind to be God's Word. Why do you think that when you don't guard the beginning of your day, the evening, the enemy loves to take shots in the night season through demonic dreams? Because the evening then affects the morning, and then the morning sets the rest of your day. So let me talk to us now about night and day. Night and day. We are warned as followers of Jesus that we can drift away from what we have heard. If you have a, a growing a young man or young woman in your home or growing children, you can observe the reality of this fact consistently is that we as humans can drift away from what we've already been told and what we've already heard. And the writer in Hebrews 2, 1 and 3 says the same can happen for followers of Jesus. He says, therefore, or the person says, we must give the more earnest heed to the things we have heard, lest we drift away. Without more consistency, devoting yourself to the reading of God's Word, you and I need to understand is the natural inclination as a human, even a follower of Jesus, is drift. Is to drift away. We're also, in Hebrews 3, 12 and 13, we are warned of the deceitfulness of sin forming unbelief of heart. It says, Beware, brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. See, Romans 10 says, verse 17, And faith cometh by hearing, and hearing the Word of God. So when you and I are not consistent, night and day, to devote ourselves to the reading of God's Word, 
then we're giving place for unbelief to be created because we're not giving ourselves to the main tool that God's given that creates faith and trust in Him. And as unbelief grows, departure from trusting God and looking to God begins to grow and we are warned of that deceitfulness of sin forming unbelief in the heart. We are exhorted to do the consistent work that we may enter the rest of faith consistently. I want to read this in Hebrews 4 and verse 8. The writer of Hebrews says, For if Joshua had given them rest, then he would not afterward have spoken of another day. There remains therefore a rest for the people of God. For he who has entered his rest has himself also ceased from his works as God did from his. Verse 11, let us therefore be diligent. Everybody say diligent. To enter that rest, lest anyone fall according to the same example of disobedience. What do we see here? The writer of Hebrews is exhorting you and I to do the work, to labor and make the effort. How? By consistently giving yourself to the reading of God's Word night and day. And by diligently doing that hard work is so then you can consistently enter the rest of trusting God for your life and for your future and for the issues of life. When you find a believer who's walking in the peace of God and the rest that comes from the presence of God you're finding the believer that has done the hard work of consistency to enter that place of rest and peace and trust. This is the importance of consistency night and day in the Word. The writer of Hebrews continues on in Hebrews 6, 1 and 12 and says, we are exhorted to show diligence so that we can experience the things that accompany our salvation. There are too many people in the West or denominations in the West that are only focused on are you saved or not saved. Now listen to me, that's a must. We're not talking about that that's not a must. We're just saying if that's the only thing that you focus on, you're missing out on the eternal purpose and all that God has done through Christ for the new covenant. And the writer of Hebrews says the reason you and I should be diligent and the reason you and I should be diligent night and day to devote ourselves to the reading of God's Word is that God has more for you than just salvation. He's got promises for you. He's got plans for you. He's got a purpose of why you're still here. He has an inheritance that He's obtained through the blood of His Son and His death and resurrection. And therefore, the writer of Hebrews exhorts us to show diligence so that we can experience the things that accompany salvation. And then the last one I want to highlight in Hebrews 3.6, we are commanded to hold fast to Christ. To hold fast to Christ. Hebrews 3.6 says, Hold fast the confidence and the rejoicing of the hope till the end. Till the end. What are we... How are we practically to hold fast to Christ? Well, Scripture says we are to hold fast to Christ by practically holding fast to the faith that's been handed down once and for all. You remember the definition of consistency? 
Agreement with facts, form, or characteristics previously shown or stated. Can I tell you that God's already spoken? He's already established the new covenant. He's already declared what we have in Christ. He's already declared there's promises that are yes and amen. And consistency means that we hold fast to that faith, to those facts that's been handed down once and for all. We don't change the facts. We don't get to because it's 2023 and the government changes laws and changes definitions to get to change the facts of God's Word. We don't get that liberality. We are called to consistently hold fast to the faith that's been handed down once and for all. We're called to hold fast to our confession. The confession of the faith that's been handed down once and for all. Paul told Timothy, hold fast to the pattern of sound words. Notice there's a pattern. Sound doctrine, sound teaching in the new covenant wasn't going to change in 2022 or 2023. There's to be a holding fast. And to hold fast to the head and to hold fast to Christ is to hold fast to the facts of the faith handed down once and for all. Holding fast to Christ also means holding fast to the spiritual traditions and customs of our faith. This is what we talk about in formation phase as kingdom culture. Fasting is a kingdom culture and tradition of God's people. It doesn't matter if it was a thousand years ago, if it's 2023 or a thousand years from now, the Lord tells It is a kingdom culture and tradition. Jesus said when you fast, not if you fast. Prayer is a kingdom culture. He didn't say if you pray. He said when you pray. Honoring God with money and helping people with money is not an if. He said when you give. These are kingdom cultures. It doesn't matter what nation we're in. It doesn't matter what year we're in. These are things that is for every church and every group of followers of Jesus to hold fast to. Hold fast to. Now, local church culture, you know, growing up, I went to a church and they didn't have something that looked like this. They had an organ. They had a a full piano. But see, that's local church culture. That can be changed as needed in order for the kingdom to still advance and reach the people that are present in the day and culture we live in. The church I grew up in didn't have cushions on the seat. So my grandma or my mom's lap was my cushion when my head went down. And I laid in that pew many Sundays saying, Dear God, get me out of here. But I didn't grow up in a great church like this. <laughs> I had in, the, in, the, in that hymnal, I had ridden the amount of lights that was in the ceiling. I did. I had counted wood squares, the wood boards up there. I had done a lot of things and noted it. But God got me. He got me. Thank God He got me. And what makes the difference is the anointing and the ministry of the Holy Spirit is what makes the difference. Because that's what brings Jesus and heaven and eternity, not to some theoretical idea, but to an ever-present encounter. An ever-present reality. Yes. So we're to hold fast to spiritual traditions and customs of our faith. That's why Paul says, hold fast to what is good. Then we're also to hold fast to Christ. Practically means to hold fast to the fruit of the Spirit and the characteristics of Christ. 
Who Christ is doesn't change, whether it's a thousand years ago, whether it's 2022, 2023, or if the Lord tarries a thousand years from now. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And to hold fast to Christ means we hold fast to the reality of what is the fruit of His Spirit and the characters of Christ. Remember the definition of consistency? An agreement with not just facts and not just with the form, but also the characteristics previously shown or stated. The apostles that God chose, they handled the word of life. They touched Him. They saw Him. They saw the fruit and the characteristics of the life of God. We're to hold fast to that. Deuteronomy 10.20 says, You shall serve Him, and to Him you shall hold fast to who He is. I don't get to change who Jesus is. I don't get to change what Jesus said. I don't get to change the traditions Jesus has declared for His people. Hallelujah. We are called to consistently hold fast to Christ. I came across this video this week, and it was timely. I think they have it. Let's turn our attention. Talk about hanging on for dear life. Three, two, one, go. Run, 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 run. The guy in the plaid shirt and white helmet realized a second after takeoff from a 4,000-foot mountaintop that he was not attached to the hang glider. The pilot apparently forgot to hook him up. The tourist from Florida hangs on to the bar with one hand and the pilot with his other hand. The pilot does his best to steer with one arm while grasping onto his passenger with the other. Guy was just trying to stay calm, just trying to hold on for dear life. The danger was real. Imagine falling from this height. I looked down once and I thought to myself, this is it, I'm gonna fall to my death. I'm, I'm, go I'm a goner. Both men are struggling. The tourist, Chris Gursky, goes from clinging to the pilot around his shoulders to barely hanging on to his leg. I didn't have much grip left to me at all. My hand was opening, I was slipping, I had his pant leg, that was about it. After two minutes and 14 seconds, they got close enough to earth that Gursky let go. He hit the ground hard and broke his wrist. He also tore his bicep from holding on with such a tight grip for all that time. An eternity when you think you're going to plummet to your death. The auto parts manager is now back home near Tampa, but he will never forget that terrifying ride. Man, listen, I'm not just tearing my bicep. I'm tearing that dude's calf off. And let me tell you, I'm also retired at that point as well. Oh yeah, and we've built the building debt-free. And multiple. I don't care what kind of waiver. There ain't no waiver good enough to get over that. And you got video evidence? You're done. I own your company. I own it. I mean it. For the kingdom, we are set. But do you know why we don't hold fast to Christ? Like that man had to hold fast? Because we don't think it's a matter of life and death. See, some of we've lived life long enough and we said, you know what? I'm still here. I've survived. And so holding fast to Christ and, and being consistently in night and day in the Word, I've made it before without doing that. See, we don't see it as life and death because, listen, we're not having the right vision of what is actually life and death. Just living is not what Scripture calls life. There's a lot of people that might have more money and more opportunity and, and more experience than you and I, but they don't have... What is true life? 
The reason you and I need to consistently, night and day, devote ourselves to the reading of God's Word because it is a matter of life and death. And when you get that spiritual vision restored back to your life, that it is a matter of life and death, you will hold fast and grip onto Jesus and His Word like that man gripped on for dear life. Another reason we don't hold fast is we lack the vision of our full purpose God has for us in Christ in the new covenant. We say, you know what? I, I, I'm, I'm going to eternity with God. I'm reconciled through Christ. I come to the gatherings. I honor God financially. You know, I, I read Scripture occasionally. You say, you know what? I, I'm doing what I'm called to do. No, no, no. You're missing the vision of all that God's called you to do. That you were created for good works that God prepared beforehand that you should walk in them. That you have a spiritual giftedness to manifest Christ in a way to people around you. That there are things that accompany salvation that God wants for you. And for you to ever experience those promises, for you to ever experience that land of promise, it's going to take holding fast and consistently night and day being in the Word of the living God. Another reason we don't hold fast like that is we lack the vision to take our enemy, Lucifer and his demons, seriously. We don't take serious enough that when you are a child of God, you now have an enemy and you are a target. And let me tell you, if you get filled with the Holy Spirit, your target increases. You become what Scripture calls a soldier, meaning you start laboring to manifest Christ to others. Your target increases. You start being used of God and, and a spiritual leader. Your target increases more. And when we understand the real enemy and, the, and how we become a real target for the enemy, then we'll take the seriousness of needing to hold fast night and day to the Word of God. So listen, night and day, the Word, because it matters. Night and day, the Word, because God has called us to more. Night and day, the Word, because it is a matter of life and death. Night and day, the Word, because there is a real devil prowling around looking for someone he's able to devour. So let me talk now about the consistent person. You know, I was thinking this week, as I was in the woods, a creek isn't a creek without consistency. No, that's a brook. We call that a brook. Some say that's a dry creek. You know why they have to say a dry creek? Because it's not actually a creek. A creek isn't a creek without consistency. And I want to tell you it's the consistent man or woman who shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth its fruit in season. It's not the inconsistent follower of Jesus. It's the consistent follower. Look at Psalms 1, 1 and 3. Blessed is the man who walks not, walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law he meditates day and night. Somebody say day and night. Why? That he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth its fruit in its season, whose leaf also shall not wither, 
and whatever he does shall prosper. This is the power of consistency night and day in the Word. That that consistent man or woman who night and day gives themselves to the Word shall be fruitful, shall prosper in God's will. It is the consistent man or woman who shall inherit the land that God has prepared for them. Look at Joshua 1 and verse 6. Be strong and of good courage. For to this people you shall divide as an inheritance the land which I swore to their fathers to give them. Only be strong and very courageous, that you may observe to do according to all the law which Moses my servant commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left, that you may prosper wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night, that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. Let me tell you, the success that God has for you requires this type of consistency, night and day in the Word. For you to get to where God wants to take you, for you to experience all the promises God has you, it can't just be a little bit here and there. It requires consistency. It requires consistency night and day. It is the consistent man or woman who will be strong and of good courage. Did you see it in Joshua 1.6? It said, Be strong and of good courage, for to this people you shall divide as an inheritance the land which I swore to their fathers to give them. But look at verse 9. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and of good courage. Do not be afraid, <clears throat> nor be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Now some of you hear that wrong, and we're going to talk about that at the end of the message. Hold on. But you hear, when he says, have I not commanded you? You hear that as a statement of anger and belittlement because of your upbringing and spiritual authority or authority figures in your life. But that, listen, that's not how the Word of God works. What God commands, He releases the enablement and the capacity for you and I to be able to do. That's why he says, have I not commanded you? Because he gave the command, you and I can be strong and of good courage. Why? Because where the word of the king is, there's power. This is the same command that went forth, that said, let there be light, and there was light. That created the heavens and the earth by the command. It's the command of God that then gives us strength and courage. Because God commanded it, you and I can expect it. If God spoke it, then He'll perform it. So the fact that He called us to be of courage and to be strength means He will supply the grace in order for us to be strong and of good courage. Did you know when the Apostle John, when he talks about the spiritual growth stages of believers, he said that those who have overcome, those that reach what's called being a young man or a young woman in the faith. It says the reason they're strong and have overcome the enemy, because the Word of God abides in them. Listen, the reason some of us in some areas of our life are weak and are not overcoming is because we are not consistently in regards to that area night and day abiding in His Word. See, listen to me. 
wherever the enemy is attacking you or wherever circumstances of life or the past has impacted you for the negative, you have to begin to consistently, night and day, read God's promises and word about that area in your life. Do you need emotional healing? Then you need to get in God's Word and find every promise for emotional healing. You need deliverance in an area, in a bondage, an addiction. You need to get in God's Word and devote yourself night and day to meditating, to confessing, to holding fast to what God's Word says. Not what your past says, not what your present says, not what people have said about you, but what God has said. And that way you begin to then, because of God has commanded, experience strength and courage to say, let every lying lip be silenced off my life. God shall perform His promises for my life. Another reason consistency is so important in the kingdom of God and for us as followers of Jesus is you and I are soft without consistency. Soft. Think about the material in the, in the world and the elements of the world. It's those without a consistent state that are soft materials. See, leaves are softer than branches because they do not have a consistent state. About all the leaves now are on the ground. They're a different color. That's why leaves are softer than branches. But you know what's even harder than a branch? The trunk. Because the trunk is a more consistent state. The more you and I are consistent, the more the strength of God we experience and demonstrate. Growing up, at least in, in my adolescent years, in, in middle school and high school, it might still be around some culturally, but it was always a question of, are you hard? It was a person, if, if, you, if you got smart with them, were you a soft person or a hard person? Were you a person that just let others run all over you and demean you? Or is this person one you don't want to disrespect and mess with? Listen, a person without consistency is soft. They're not dependable. They're soft. The winds of culture, the opinions, the decrees of Caesar, all these things dictate their state. But a person that's consistent night and day, devoting to the Word, the strength of God abides in them. This is formation. This is Christ being our strength. This is Christ being our stronghold. This is Christ being our fortress. Jesus asked this question. I'm going to read it. Because this is a biblical word. This is a biblical idea. In Matthew 11, when Jesus is talking about John the Baptist, listen to what He says in Matthew 11 and verse 7. As they departed, Jesus began to say to the multitudes concerning John, John the Baptist, What did you go out into the wilderness to see? A reed shaken by the wind? But what did you go out to see? A man clothed in soft garments? Indeed, those who wear soft clothing are in king's houses. But what did you go out to see? A prophet? Yes, I say to you, and more than a prophet. 
For this is He of whom it was written, Behold, I send my messenger before your face, who will prepare your way before you. Assuredly, I say to you, among those born of women, there has not risen one greater than John the Baptist, but he who is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. What's Jesus saying? John the Baptist wasn't a soft person. He wasn't one moved by culture and the threats of leaders and and swayed by the opinions and polls of people. No, no, no. He was a solid voice of the voices of voices. He was an instrument of the unchanging voice and standard of God. That's what you and I are called to consistently. Listen, culture ain't going to come out and take notice of a church that just gets in line with what they dictate right and wrong. Listen to me. If you ain't studied it, that's fine. You don't need to study it. We'll just tell you we studied it. But that whole libertarian movement within the church the last 20, 30 years has failed and failed miserably. Look at it. It's already been declared a failure. The churches that have tried to reach the culture by accommodating culture have failed. They have failed. Now the other extreme is the fundamentalist that just says we're going to declare truth and that's it. They have failed too. We're not called to either. We'll talk about that here in a moment. But here's the point. You and I, through Christ, can have Christ formed in us and be our strength. To be our strength. Lastly, in this, the consistent person or woman, the consistent Man, there is no godliness without consistency. The thing that's so beautiful about Jesus, to me, is is I know He's not like me. I know that when I come to Jesus, He's the same every time. He's not moody. He's not soft in any area of His person, so He's not moved by His feelings. He's not moved by desires. He's not moved by culture. He's not moved by the winds of opinions. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And you know why? Because He's godly. That's what godliness is. And the more you and I become consistent night and day in the Word, the more the Word will form Christ in us and the more consistent we'll become in areas of life. Some of you are saying, Pastor Chad, I believe what you're saying, but I've been consistent in the wrong things. I'm consistent, I'm just consistently wrong. Spouses, be careful now. Well, listen, transformation is necessary in order to experience formation in God's divine design. And that is exactly why night and day you need to get into God's Word. Because listen, when you get into God's Word, God's Word will transform your thinking. It will transform your thoughts. It will pull down strongholds in your mind. It will wash your mind from the influences, from the dust, from all the signals, from all the measurements, from all the other voices that's in the culture and the world around us. The Word washes off of us the world and its ways. The Word will divide and sift and remove the wrong intents of our heart and our motives. That's why we need to night and day 
consistently be in God's Word. Lastly, when I thought of consistency in our lives, I thought about the word consistency. And I thought about a play on words on what does your consistency consist of? That's the question ultimately I want to leave you with today. Is what does your consistency consist of? Listen, if you don't know the answer to that question, you won't have the right type of godly consistency. You'll have what we will think is consistency, but it won't be consistency because it won't be in every season us prospering in God's will in that area. It will be a temporary victory. Temporary movement forward, but then there might be two steps back. You have to ask in the presence of Almighty God, what does my consistency consist of? John 1.17 says this, come on, band. For the law was given through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. Some of you currently... What you're trying to get in your life consistency, you're trying to build or you're trying to have it to consist of a law mentality. What do I mean? Some of you are trying to be consistent through a law mentality of what's called perfectionism. And if your so-called desired consistency consists of perfectionism, it will never be the biblical consistency that God desires for you. Why? Because perfectionism says in order for me to possess value, I must be perfect. And when you live under that type of thinking, it leads to delusions. It leads to denial because the reality is none of us, none of us have reached complete maturity and perfection in God. So if you live under that type of thinking, you have to then begin to hold on to delusions about yourself or deny the realities about yourself, or then it leads to depression because you acknowledge you're not perfect. If you try to have your consistency consist of a law mentality, it leads to pride. Because you think, I have through my own self-will, my own self-sufficiency, achieved this consistency in my life. That leads to pride. But pride pushes you away from encountering the manifest power and presence of God. If you're trying to have your consistency consist of a law mentality, it will lead to you hiding from God. It will lead to guilt. It will lead to shame. Some of you, when you think about reading Scripture, you're thinking about it through a law mentality. And you say, you know what? I, I know I should. Here's the key word. I listen to people in my life. And language reveals the mindsets that you live out of. And people whose language is, I always should, or you always should, they're dominated by a law mentality. Because that's what the law said. You should do, you should not do. But it couldn't give any help to do or not do. But they say, I should read Scripture. And they're trying to build a consistency off of guilt. It will never work. Listen, Jesus wasn't godly because He was guilted to be godly. He was godly because it was pure and right and holy and the right thing to do, whether it was convenient or not.
Some of you, you're trying to get your consistency to consist of just sure self-will. We, we now as humans know by research, your actual self-will, that human mechanism of choice God gave us, that liberality of choice, it has limited energy daily. And you can't build a consistent night and day type of being in the Word off of willpower. Because there's seasons, there's times, there's circumstances that will deplete all of that self-will energy. And there'll be nothing left for the consistency in the Word of God. So what do we do, Pastor Chad? Well, what did John 1.17 say? There's another option that's came. That now Jesus Christ has came and grace and truth has came through Jesus Christ. And now you and I can have consistency built on our life through Christ Jesus. Our consistency can consist of Christ Jesus, the consistent one Himself. It's not a consistency built on our own self-effort, our own pride, our own guilt, our own ambition. It's a consistency built on the truth that's in Jesus. The truth that if I want faith created in my life, God uses God's Word. If I want a source of hope in my life and encouragement, God uses God's Word. Now I'm not out of guilt going into God's Word. I'm going out of hope and expectation that God's going to create faith in my life. That I can relate to the living King. That God can speak through Scripture. And it can be a word in due season. It can be life in the midst of darkness. It can be hope in a time of valley of despair. It can be direction when it seems all doors are closed. That life can spring forth. And then grace. The sufficiency of Jesus can empower me to be consistent. See, consistency can consist of your trust as you relate to Jesus as you relate to Him as you trust Him based on the promises of His truth and that He has the ability to perform those promises consistency can be built see so often people in the new covenant still have the wrong framework and they have a law mentality and they ask the wrong questions especially immature believers when they come to faith. They're always asking questions, is it sin? That's not how the new covenant frames the entire new covenant. When it comes to questions of if I don't read the Bible, is it sin? If I do this, that's not how the new covenant is to ask questions because the new covenant is framed that the just, the righteous shall live by faith. The question for the new covenant is, is does it increase my faith or decrease my faith? Does it increase my relational trust in Jesus or does it decrease my relational trust in Jesus? That's why Paul says that to get to the issue of sin, you must first pass through the issue of faith because he said whatever's not of faith is sin. See, religion first starts and they flip it. They say, is it sin? And then they decide if they want to obey it or not faith. That's not how the new covenant frames it. It frames it first, does this help my relational trust in Jesus or not? Then it becomes sin or sinful based on relationship and trust to Jesus. Your consistency can consist of relational trust that the consistent one can, in, can become in you 
who He is and who He's always been. Consistency. Did you know your prayer life don't have to be built upon your life? It can be built upon the life of Jesus that lives within you. Did you know that your trust in the Father doesn't have to be built on your ability to trust the Father, but it can be built on the trust of Jesus that He has for the Father because He's in you? Listen to me, friends. Consistency can now happen through Christ. And if Christ is and was consistent, and if Christ is in you, then Christ in you enables consistency as possible in your life. Hallelujah. This is Christ's formation. Night and day in the Word. You will become the consistent man or woman that will bring forth its fruit in season. You will become the fruitful man and woman that's consistent and you will inherit what God has planned for you. You will become the consistent man or woman and be strong and courageous with Christ formed in you, godly and having good success in God. Hallelujah. Thank you so much for listening to this week's message. If you would like more information about our church, be sure to visit us on the web at dwellingplacemovement.org.